Eric, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dave. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good. How about yourself? What, um, what are you going to do today for Father's Day? Well, today, uh, my plan is to be out in the backyard and relaxing with the family, grilling out some meat, and uh, if I'm lucky, um, I hopefully will be able to have some time on the hammock. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Because, let's be honest, you and I both know, ever since the end of Mother's Day, you've been counting down the days. Am I right? Well... Incorrect. I actually start the countdown to Father's Day, Mother's Day morning. That way I can get through that day of service knowing that my day is now only like 62 days away or something like that. So for me on Father's Day, uh, I think I want what uh, most fathers would want, but you're not allowed to ask for, which was to be left alone. Um, and if you want to be more churchy about it or, uh, or spiritual, I say I desire solitude. But... Um, in all reality, what I really do look forward to is the same thing as you, maybe just being in my backyard, grilling, and uh, spending time with the family, relaxing, and um, that's what I'm hoping happens for today. One of the things that, uh, when you and I were asked to do the Father's Day message, since we lead the men's ministry here at Faith, um, we started talking about different things that God puts on our hearts and different ideas in Scripture. And uh, the one that got both of us uh, really excited to talk about was a, a Scripture verse that if you, you've been in the church a long period of time if you've grown up in it you, you maybe heard it it's in Ephesians 2 10 and it's the Apostle Paul and he and he says to us he says for you and I are God's handiwork his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for you and I to do and what we talked about is part of the reason we resonate with that verse is both Eric and I are uh, what we would say is project guys we really do enjoy doing projects either here at work or at home and kind of like a, a joke I tell people is like, if you want your project to look nice and be done really well, see Eric. Um, if you want it to be done quickly and maybe kind of right, I'm, I'm more of your huckleberry to do that. And one of the things that we said that we always liked about projects is when they're over, you get to take a step back and say, you look what I got to do, look what I was a part of, and those things. And so that kind of started this whole conversation about us being prepared, God preparing works for us in advance to do. And so... You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And uh, the whole idea when we think about uh, God preparing things in advance for us to do is kind of exciting. For project guys like Dave and myself, we regularly enjoy uh, finishing something like Dave said and looking back on it and saying, wow, I got to do that. And for a lot of years, you and I have really been on the mission field since 2001 together. Uh, we've been doing mission trips where we're able to hand over keys to a house or help a family, um, a handicapped family receive a ramp, um, or a variety of other projects that we do for people, like repair their roofs in West Virginia. Locally, nationally, and globally, um, we've been able to bless many individual people with works that God's prepared in advance for us to do. And so the cool thing about this whole picture is that God invites us into choosing, um, he chooses us and invites us into doing what he's prepared for us in advance. Now, what I'd like you to think about for a minute is the fact that when we look at our calendar and our to-do list over the last few months, we see it looks a lot different than it normally does. And if you're at all like me, um, you don't have to be a type A personality to, to be somebody who wants to use a calendar and maybe a to-do list. Um, but if you are at all, again, like me, and you allow yourself to, like I do, you will allow what you have in your calendar to divine, define a couple of things. To define who I am, 
like the activity that I'm doing throughout the week um, defines who I am. And then the other thing is that my agenda takes a front seat to God's. And so when I think about God's workmanship and I think about things that are prepared in advance for me to do, oftentimes what that actually ends up meaning for me is the stuff in my calendar I convince must be God's activity. And so my agenda is superseding what God's agenda is. So this feeds two false narratives. Again, number one, I am what I do. And number two, that my ways must be the same as God's. So again, as we look back over the last few weeks, as we're starting to come out of quarantine at this point, a little bit more each week, um, that whole thing has been flipped upside down. And so I've really, in some ways, struggled with my identity in that, um, with my sense of feeling like I've accomplished something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've struggled with understanding what it is God has prepared in advance for me. So the good side of this, though, however, um, is without my normal rhythm of seeing what I've accomplished, because that's what I would look back and say throughout the course of a week, um, it has driven me further into understanding what God wants for me and what he has prepared in advance for me. So I think that does pose the question, what ought we focus on when it comes to what God's prepared in advance for us? What are his ways? Yeah. And um, and so we started talking about this idea because, first of all, that God loves you and I so much that he not only saves you, but he prepares something for you to do in advance. Is um, if, you, if you sit and think about it, that's, that's amazing. And... Um, and one of the answers to this question is like, what does God want me to do? I think that's something that a lot of people ask themselves. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, a minor prophet by the name of Micah uh, actually answers this question for us. And uh, Joe referenced it last week in a sermon. Um, but it was this, uh, this thing that Micah says. And, um, and kind of I want to give a, a quick context to this idea because anytime a prophet was to call forward to speak to God's people, to the Israelites... Uh, there's a reason God was doing that. It's because they needed to hear that message. And so historically what's going on at this point for the Israelites is that they're actually in a time of international uncertainty and fear. So it's like, okay, kind of feel like we're there right now too. And he says, um, and he says to them, he says, um, first of all, I need to tell you what God has done for you in the past because I think you've forgotten. And he reminds them, of all the things that God has done, not only to save them, but to redeem them and to care for them. And and I can kind of take the step back. It's like, you know, these are the people who saw miracles and all these different things. How can they forget about God? But the truth is for me is, is that I forget about God all the time. Um, give you an example, like with what's happened with the quarantine, all this disruption to your life and different things like that. I have seven people living in my house. Okay. I have a dog, and, I, and once we got put into this quarantine thing, our daily routine became like figuring out how to do homeschool. We got to feed everyone. There's no restaurants to go to anymore. There's a, um, and then we also got to figure out work, and we got to do all these things. And every day we'd wake up, and we had this weird, you know, this weird pattern happening day after day. And at night we'd put our kids to bed, and I said, "What happened today?" You know, I, I have no no recollection of the events. Now, part of that's because I am wired up. Um, I only think about the future almost all the time. So that makes it hard for me to be in the present. And I definitely don't go to the past, but I forget. I forget everything that God has done for me, the blessings he's poured on my family, the things that he's taught me, the things he's disciplined me in. 
I forget that too. So, so right away when Micah comes forward to speak to them because they've forgotten, I can say, I'm here. That's me. Okay. And then he says, God has shown me in Micah 6, 8, he says, he has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so I'm asked to act justly. And that means that I treat all people right and fairly. Now I have four kids and they will tell me that I do not do this. I always am a, you know, more fair to their siblings than I am to that individual child, right? But I actually know that this is a really a problem for me, not just because of my kids, but because of my life. Because with a little bit of self-examination, I realize that I want justice for me. I want things to be fair and right for me and things that fit my agenda. But I'm not necessarily interested in everyone receiving justice or acting justly to everyone. And so with Micah, when he says to act justly, I go, okay, I'm already, I'm already struggling here. And then he goes on to say this idea to say, love mercy, okay? And so mercy is this idea that you actually have the power to punish someone who has wronged you, but you choose not to. And so for, for me, I think, okay, I always want God's forgiveness. I want to receive it. And occasionally I want to give it to other people. And for us, the real truth is that when you forgive someone, what you're actually doing is releasing yourself from that burden of having to carry anger, mm -hmm. resentment, and hurt towards that person. You're freeing yourself from that when you forgive that person. But for, for me to love the idea of giving, love mercy, giving that, to love the fact that I don't have to punish a person that I have the power to punish, I'm, I'm really, a lot of times I'm not there. And I think part of the reason we would struggle with mercy is, and loving mercy is because, first of all, I don't think we're very good at not punishing ourselves. And, and this is a key thing when it comes to forgiving other people. You're going to struggle to forgive people if you struggle to forgive yourself. If you struggle to trust what Jesus did on the cross, his gift of mercy and forgiveness that was given to you, then you're gonna, it's going to be that much harder for you to give it to someone else. And so when I say to love mercy, okay, now I have the ability to look at what God is doing and to love the fact that I get to set these people free. Not just do it out of obligation, but and to love it. And then he concludes with this thing to say, walk humbly with your God. And so if you think about those first two, to act justly and to love mercy and you start to see the fact that God is actually the one who is making it possible for you to see that you don't treat everyone fairly and you're gonna you're gonna want to start to head in that direction and that he has been so merciful to you that you can lovingly be merciful to someone else both those are things both of those are things that you haven't done yourself and so anytime you and I receive something because we haven't earned it, we haven't strived for it or whatever, I think that makes humility more of a natural byproduct. And so it comes from this reflection of seeing the fact that God is allowing me to start to learn how to act justly and to love mercy. And because of that, I'm going to be humbled because this isn't my 
thing. This is the work of God in me. And so when Micah gives us these, the command, he goes, you want to know what God wants for you? You want to know what God wants to do for you and it expects from you? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I think that's like this wonderful idea of what is this work that God has prepared in advance for me to do? Right. And, it, and it's awesome. Yeah. And the truth is, if we simplify it to those three things and allow that to be the lens that we look through as we're trying to identify what God's prepared in advance for us to do, I don't think we can miss. Mm-hmm. And what Dave and I really, when we uh, look at this, we want to, what we want to encourage you with today is a few things specifically. Number one, you're going to drop the ball if you're at all like myself or Dave, because we drop it all the time. And the cool thing about that is God forgives us every time. The second thing is that we want you to understand that if you're not sure what to do, not to get stuck, to ask somebody to inquire in the community that you're within and to start searching for ways that you can act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly um, to serve other people. And lastly, what we want you to do is understand that um, there are opportunities all around you in the community that you're already in. And if you're not in a community right now of other believers and people that are serving um, others, we want to invite you into that here. One of the best things that, uh, that is about being a part of this faith community here at our church specifically is the fact that these opportunities to act justly, walk humbly, and to love mercy, all three of these things are continually available to us. And that did not slow down when our doors had to close because of quarantine. And that was just a super cool thing to witness and to be able to be part of as a church, to know that despite our doors being closed, we're able to still pursue the things of God, to be able to identify the things that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And just to name a few of those things that I've gotten to witness and or be a part of over the last few months in particular is that we've been able to help provide food through Gleaner's Food Bank to needy families. We've been able to help be utilized to feed families in the Warren Consolidated School District. Dave led a group up to Midland to help with flood relief. Ellie's House has received aid from uh, our members and people in our congregation. Um, House of Hope has been blessed by many of you that have dropped off donations and have gone out there and taken those things to those children. There are so many things that have continued to happen and in some ways even increase over the last few months that I'm proud to be able to say I'm a part of this community and I hope you feel like you are as well. The one thing I want to think about today and challenge you to caution yourself in though, however, is the fact that what I can get caught up in is the reality that it is much easier for me to sign up for things that are out there for me to do. Signing up for a mission trip or a service opportunity isn't a big deal for me. A more difficult thing for me is when I come home making sure that I'm looking through that lens with my own family. And I'm not just saying that because it's Father's Day. It's true of me. My family's going to be watching this today. And I know that they're going to be looking at me thinking, I know my dad's not perfect, but you know what? They love me anyway. And I need to prioritize them. I need to see them through this lens. And this is self-talk as much as it is communicating to you. Because the reality is they can take a back seat to the opportunities that are out there for us. And uh, shame on me if I don't put them first in that as I sometimes do, okay? So despite us dropping the ball, um, I want to make sure that as fathers, grandfathers, spiritual mentors, uncles, specifically today on Father's Day, 
that you know, men, that your kids need you. They need us. And women, they need you too. And so when we look at what it looks like to father our children um, on this Father's Day, I pray that we would be reminded that God's the ultimate father, the ultimate gift giver, the ultimate just person, the ultimate example of humility, um, and then the ultimate um, giver of mercy. And so I pray that we would use him as an example as we continue to try to pursue these things that God's prepared in advance for you. So as we close, I want to ask you, Dave, um, what are some things that you feel like men could do that would allow them to be a part of the community through specifically our men's ministry, obviously, which we're responsible for that can help support them through this? Yeah, and we're going to enter into a new season of ministry um, as things return to what a new normal will be. But ultimately, man, we just want you to know that what we are dedicated to with the men's ministry is to give you places and opportunities for you to be able to grow in your relationship with God and also grow in relationship with other men. And anything that we're going to offer in the future, we want you to know this is, first of all, we take your time seriously. So if we're offering it, we know it's we're doing it because it's important. And also we take it very seriously when you take that step and invite another guy in, even if it's for a fun event, if it's for a base camp, it's for, if it's for a class. We know by you extending an invite to another man, you're kind of exchanging a lot of your street credit um, to do that, and, and we take those things seriously. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we do those as well as possible for you. So I, I would like to close this with prayer. So if you guys can join me at home here. God, I, at first I pray that we are reminded, all of us who are forgetful, of the fact that um, you have saved us, you have redeemed us, and God, that you... Um, you also invite us into your work. And so that as we, um, as we express our uniqueness in our creation of how we do your work, that we would know this opportunity for us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you, God, that um, these things are always present. And I pray for all of us that we would not only um, trust in complete confidence the, the, the thought that you forgive us and give us mercy, but we would take joy in that. And that would change how we interact and how we, we treat our family, our friends, and the communities that you've placed us in. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day, man. Happy Father's Day.